You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let us open the word of our God together. This afternoon we turn to the gospel according to Matthew. We'll read the first 22 verses of Matthew 22 in the verse... Verses 1 to 14 are the text for this afternoon's sermon. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians' teacher. They said, we know you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, and he asked them, Whose portrait is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, starting this week, we are going to enter into the wedding season with almost a dozen weddings on the calendar already and maybe more to come. And what this means is that a lot of you have weddings on your mind. Of course, that doesn't apply to the men. 
Their minds are elsewhere. But when it comes to the ladies, to the brides-to-be, to the mothers, to the prospective bridesmaids, the plans and the preparations are no doubt moving right along. But now just imagine that you are at that stage where all of the invitations need to be sent out. So you make them ready, you address them, you put them in the mail, and then you wait patiently for the replies to trickle in. Only there is a hitch, a very serious hitch. For as time goes by, it appears that not one single relative, not one friend, not one neighbor or fellow worker can make it. They all send their regrets. By mail, phone, and email, they tell you that they cannot be there. They cannot come. What a disaster and what a disappointment that would be. And instantly there would be a lot of upset people and no doubt there would be more than a few angry words spoken. And the pain and the hurt would be everywhere. This is bad. And yet as bad as it may be, it is not quite as bad as what we find in our text of this afternoon. As the earthy ministry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ winds to a close and as the opposition to him mounts, he too has a very sad and distressing story to tell. He puts it in the form of a parable. Indeed, he puts it in the form of a wedding parable. Now, let's listen to it together. I preached to you on the scene the parable of the hard-to-organize wedding banquet. And we shall see it involves invitations rejected an invitation accepted. And finally, an invitation retracted. Well, beloved, the setting of this parable is, as just alluded to, not very pretty. If you look at the last verses of chapter 21, they tell the tale when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables. They knew he was talking about them. And they looked for a way to arrest him. So tense has the situation become that hatred and accusation, plots and schemes, even violence is now in the air. The religious leaders and the Lord Jesus are heading towards an ugly showdown. Why, in such circumstances, Christ Jesus utters yet another parable. Only this time he makes it a parable about a wedding banquet. And it opens with the words, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Notice that the Lord Jesus has the king making all of the preparations, and in a way that's strange, but as we shall soon see, there is a reason for that. And meanwhile, the parable continues. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come. We read that and we think, fine, that's the normal course of action to take. But but then suddenly the parable takes a really unexpected turn, for we are told, but they refuse to come. 
Here the king himself summons them, but all of the invited guests, they turn him down. What an insult. How do they dare? Since when do you say no to a king? So will the wedding banquet be canceled? No, for some time later he sends out more servants and as far as we know, he sends these servants to exactly the same guests as before. Only now the invitation is more specific and urgent. Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. Well, here we have what amounts to a double invitation. And and actually, beloved, that happens to be quite common in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was normal to issue two invitations, a general one and a more specific one. As the father of the bride, you sent out the first one well in advance, and you told your family and your friends that a wedding was in the works. And once all of the details had been worked out and the food had been prepared and the animals were ready to be barbecued, then you sent out another more specific invitation. And you expected, you naturally expected that all who were invited would come. But that's not what happens to this king. He had sent out a general invitation and it had been refused. And now he sends out a more specific invitation and it too is refused. And then not just politely either. The servants go out and they are ignored. The one guest turns his back on them and goes out into the fields. The other shuts the door and goes back to his business. But that's not even the worst of it. For there are other servants who are grabbed hold of, beaten up, and killed. The servants of the king have absolutely no standing in their eyes. And of course, when the king gets wind of what has happened, his reaction is all too predictable. He calls in his generals, he gathers together his armies, and he sees that those who are responsible for the murder of his servants are punished. And in addition, as the city where they lived is burned to the ground. Now that, beloved, is the first installment of the parable. But what does it mean? I think that anyone who has read what has been going on in the previous chapter knows instantly what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing here. He is describing an age-old conflict. And in that conflict, the King is none other than God the Father. The Son is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And the people who are receiving the invitations are none other than the covenant people of Israel. Well now, God the Father is here inviting the Israelites to the wedding banquet of His Son, the Messiah. And you may know that already in the Old Testament He had been busy with this. 
Already then he had been sending out servants or more literally slaves with the general invitation to a soon to happen great and glorious celebration. And already then he was telling the people to get ready. But what did the people do? They ignored his servants, the prophets whom he sent. And all of his gracious words fell on deaf ears. And these slave servants got nowhere. But you know, in due time, God sent out a more specific invitation. And what happens then? The attitude of these people hardens. And they become rude to the king's servants. And even more than that, they take some of the prophets like Jeremiah, John the Baptist, and others, and they kill them. Yes, and that's what's happened in the past. But the future will be no different. For this parable looks not just back, it also looks forward, and it sees what's going to happen in the days of the apostles. How Peter and John will repeatedly be imprisoned, how Paul will be beaten up and scourged time and again, how James and others will be murdered. The wedding announcers of the past and of the future will meet with cold shoulders. Much resistance. And even death. But those who ignore them and kill them will also meet with something. An army will come and the city will be burned. One can think here, for example, of the Romans and of what happens to the city of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. when the city is completely destroyed and the temple is burned and the people are exiled. And so you see, beloved, it's one thing to reject an earthly wedding invitation. But it's another thing entirely to reject the invitation to come to the wedding banquet of the son of the great king. Refusing him, ignoring him, harming his servants is just about the worst thing you can do. The call of the gospel goes out as you heard this morning. But woe to those who reject it who turn their backs to it, who despise it. Their refusal, says the parable, will come back to haunt them and back on their own heads. And they will bring destruction on themselves. And that, beloved, also represents a warning to us. We are God's covenant people today. The wedding banquet invitation is still going out, even to us. Well, what are we doing with it? Oh, I know we are not shooting the messengers. But did you also notice there are those who receive it and yet ignore it? They're much more interested in their businesses and in their farms. Making money and building barns is more important than heeding the invitation of the kingdom. 
The affairs of life take precedence over the affairs of the kingdom of God. Does that perhaps describe you and your life? By getting back to the parable twice, the invitation to come to the wedding banquet has gone out. And twice the invitation has been refused. What now? The king did not cancel it when the first refusals came in. What about now after the second round of refusals? Will he call it off? In no way. Rather, we are told in verse 8 and following that now a, a third invitation goes out. Only it doesn't go out to relatives and friends and acquaintances. It doesn't go out to the expected, you know, the powerful, the important, the rich, and the royal. Now this time, the invitation, it says very clearly, goes out to the streets and the street corners. Quite simply, it goes out to anyone whom the servants meet or who happen to cross their paths. This time the king is no respecter of persons. And the result, when the king comes and surveys all of those who have entered the wedding hall for the banquet, he sees quite the crowd. We're told the good and the bad were in attendance. Obviously, the wedding can proceed. The banquet is on. But then reading all of this, we cannot help but wonder once again and ask ourselves, what does this mean? And what really is the king doing? And and who are these people? And what is the point of all of this? Well, beloved, notice for starters that the king does not give up so easily. If anything, he he manifests a dogged, determined persistence. Nothing is going to detract him from holding this wedding banquet. In one way or another, it's going to go through. Yes, and when you think of it, isn't that just like our Heavenly Father? And is that not an accurate description of how he deals with the salvation of his people? The Old Testament, beloved, is filled with God calling, inviting, beckoning, beseeching his people Israel to come to him and to enjoy the great redemption that he has prepared for them. But all he gets are excuses and refuses, and regrets. And so what does he do? He broadens the invitation to include the Gentiles. An inkling of that is present in the Old Testament with the calling of Rahab, Ruth, and the inhabitants of the city of Nineveh. And a further indication of that can be found in our Lord Jesus' contacts with the Roman centurion and the Syrian woman and the Samaritan woman at the well. But then, beloved, we come to the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, the floodgates burst open. 
and Greeks and Romans and Turks and Egyptians and more are invited into the kingdom. And from there the circle just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. As and finally it includes us as well. It includes Brian and Mandy here too. And it also includes their son Caleb Isaiah. Oh, beloved, how thankful we should be that after Israel's repeated refusals, God did not give up, wash his holy hands of humanity, return into heaven and shut the door. How thankful we should be that he stuck to his plan of salvation, that he kept to his promises. That in the fullness of time he sent his son Jesus Christ. And that the invitation to believe in this son and to enter into his kingdom continued and continues doggedly to go out. Where would we be if it were not for the love and the persistence of God the Father. But well, truly all of that should fill us with awe. And it should also fill us with something else, namely with humility. As human beings, we love to talk about ourselves, to assert and to pontificate about our rights, And we also love to dwell on our potential and our abilities and our achievements. And nothing in life is finer than to have people stroke you. By nature, we have such swelled heads. And we easily get such inflated egos. But then along comes this parable, and what does it do? What does it say about us Gentiles? For that's what we all are as far as I know. Gentiles. But it emphasizes and underlines the fact that we are the Johnny-come-latelys of the kingdom. The Jews were invited first, over and over again. They were invited We, however, were invited later and last. Humbling, isn't it? But you know, there's something else that's also humbling, and it is this, that the Gentiles who were invited to the wedding banquet are a real mixed bag, so to speak. Whoever happens to be on the streets or the street corners when the servants of the king come by, they receive an invitation. Here there is no careful process of selection as to who should be invited. Now the doors are thrown wide open. And the call goes forth, come one, come all. Come to the banquet. And come they do. Jesus says both good and bad, come. 
And what that really means is those with a good reputation and also those with a bad reputation. Come. It doesn't matter. The door is open to you. And those who come in are tax collectors and prostitutes and foreigners and robbers and gluttons and adulterers and the like. They all come in droves. The more that the leadership of the Jewish nation snubs Jesus Christ, the more his call goes out. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And what that shows you, beloved, ever so clearly is that our Father is not only determined, He's also gracious. And we need to remember that. I think we need to remember that every day. The church of Jesus Christ was never intended to be the place of royalty and snobbery. It's not a place for the smug, the conceited, the judgmental, the self-righteous. It was always meant to be a home for sinners, a hospital for the spiritually ailing, and a treatment center for the vulnerable. This is where the likes of us receive grace and mercy in abundance. Oh, and let's not forget joy either. Weddings are supposed to be happy affairs. Wedding banquets are universally synonymous with celebration and happiness and joy. And that applies especially to this affair. When the Son of God comes again, the doors of the banquet hall of the kingdom of God are thrown open to the children of God. Then there will be a celebration as never before. An unending, uninterrupted, splendid, perfect celebration. Get ready, in other words, for the feast to end. All feasts. Oh, and one more thing. Make sure that you're properly prepared for it. Not everyone is. For look at the parable one last time and what remains. Well, before the celebration begins, the king comes to see his guests. And what does he see? He sees a man not wearing wedding clothes. So what does he do about it? Well, first he asks the man a question. Friend. How did you get in here without wedding clothes? And second, and without waiting for an answer, he tells his attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now what is this? 
And how are we supposed to understand this unexpected turn of events? And furthermore, how are we supposed to apply this? Well, let it be said that the scholars have long puzzled over this one. Indeed, they often continue to do so. And I wouldn't say that we, for our part, have an infallible answer either, but but still, if you look at it and think about it, there is an obvious direction here. In the Middle East, an invitation to a wedding means that you cannot come just as you are. And indeed, to show up for a wedding in your normal everyday clothes or to dress down for the occasion is just not done. Oh, and if you should try it, there is every likelihood that you will be evicted. And then don't be surprised if the groomsmen come, pick you up, by the scruff of your neck and throw you out the door. There are some things worth dressing up for and a wedding is one of them. Well, now take that and apply this to this parable. What does it tell you? Does it not tell you that you cannot come to the wedding banquet of the kingdom of God just as you are? Doesn't it very obviously tell you you need a different set of clothes? You need proper attire? So what is a proper attire when it comes to the kingdom of God? How do you dress for the kingdom? What do you put on for the banquet, the wedding banquet of the Son of God? Well, the answer, beloved, the key is to be found in the prophecies of Isaiah. First, in chapter 64, Isaiah reminds us that there needs to be a certain basic realization in our lives, and it is this. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. In short, Isaiah is saying we have to come to the realization that what we have on in and of ourselves will simply not do. And secondly, Isaiah tells us that God gives to his children a much better wardrobe. Isaiah 61 verse 10, he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Do you hear what Isaiah is saying? Isaiah is saying our filthy rags, even our righteous deeds, all the things that we, we boast about, all the things that we do and we think we do just right or just great, they all need to be discarded. And they need to be replaced with a robe of salvation. Well, where do you get such a robe? 
Where shall Caleb find such a robe? Where shall any of us find such a robe? Why look to Jesus Christ? Believe on Him. And you will find it. He will supply. The Apostle Paul says that in Him and through Him we become the righteousness of God. And Revelation 19 tells us that He will give us fine linen, bright and clean, dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We have all that we need to enter into the banquet hall and to experience the joy of the kingdom. Dressed in this righteousness, we shall always belong and never be evicted. And so the parable is clear, the message is obvious. But notice our Lord adds one more comment. Namely this, many are invited, but few are chosen. You can say that here we have what we are currently dealing with in the sermons on the canons of door. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ himself speaking about limited atonement or particular redemption. The call of the gospel goes out also via this parable. Only remember that although the invitation is generous and broad and sweeping, those who truly respond to it are few. And should that discourage us? Should that discourage you, Brian and Mandy, as you raise your son? Not at all. Live your lives centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing in His promises, relying on His grace, looking to His Spirit. And it will go well with you. The wedding banquet awaits. The question is, are you hearing the invitation? And if you're hearing the invitation and you want to respond to it, how are you dressed? In your own deeds? Your own words? The importance of your own person? Or are you dressed in the glorious redemptive works of Jesus Christ, our righteousness? Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.